Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, and I've used my Move the Ball system to help thousands of people to think and execute like a pro athlete when it comes to business and branding. Now, I'm on a mission to help you utilize the same tools and strategies to elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. So get ready. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, everyone. Jen Garrett here. It's great to be back with you for another episode of Move the Ball. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you've been a part of the Move the Ball community for quite some time, Welcome back. I'm glad that you all are here with us today. This podcast is all about business, branding, sports, leadership, and of course, how to move the ball. And I'm just going to put it out there that if you haven't already done so, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice so that you never miss an episode. All right. So today I've got a fantastic guest with us, someone who played in the NFL, someone who comes from SEC football, which is very near and dear to my heart, and someone who just knows how to move the ball. And I was just thinking about this earlier today because I do have this SEC theme kind of going on right now. We've had an Alabama guy on the show, had a Gator guy following him, and so now we're on to another SEC school. So inside the huddle with us today and ready to share his perspectives, his insights and lessons, and to help us to move the ball is Jason Campbell. Jason is a retired American football quarterback who played college football at Auburn. Jason was drafted by the Washington Redskins in the first round of the 2005 NFL Draft, 25th overall, and he played in the league for 10 seasons playing for the Redskins, the Oakland Raiders, the Chicago Bears, the Cleveland Browns, and the Cincinnati Bengals. Jason, welcome to the show. Hey, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Bring me on. I'm an Alabama guy and a Florida guy. It's pretty good. You finally got somebody on there that was the playing field. So, you know, I feel pretty good right now that I'm coming in at that level. But no, thanks for having me on. You know, I got a chance to talk to the Auburn football team this morning. I'm on the road right now driving. Sorry for the inconvenience, guys, but had an emergency come up. Like I always you know, stick to a commitment and try to make it work. And I look forward to coming on GN's show. And I'm glad we're able to connect. So I'm ready to chime in. Well, I appreciate you being here, and I know you had that emergency come up, so thank you so much for still doing the show today. So where I want to kick off our conversation is let's just talk about how football connects so well to business and to life. As you know, in my book, Move the Ball, I discuss a number of strategies, principles, and lessons that show people how to reach that next level of success in wherever they're trying to go. Talk to us about, for you, what did football teach you about being successful? Football teaches you a lot. I was talking to the guys today. I was just telling about life and football go hand in hand because when you're a football player, there's a lot of hills and valleys. And what I mean by that is there's certain days that your body is just sore, you're beat up, and you got to find a way to push through. There's some days that you win some games and then you lose a tough game, but then you still got to stand up in front of the media. You still got to address the situation. It's the same thing in life. Some days you have bad days and and you got to push through it and you got to get ready and build yourself up to try to have a more positive, productive day the next day. The other thing is football teaches you how to get back up when you get knocked down. When you get down on yourself, you can't stay down too long because you don't have time to do that because you have to get back on your feet quick in a hurry. And it's the same way in life. You get knocked down, you don't have time to stay down because the world is continuing to keep evolving and continuing to keep going. Football is the same way. You're in the NFL. You have a job to do. You're trying to feed your family. So you can't stay down too long. You have to have quick term, quick short memory to the point where you have to address the situation, own it, face up to it, quickly put it behind you. But then quickly you're on to the next thing as far as your preparation and preparing for the next week. Because 
what you did last week, you can learn from it, but you can't dwell on too far that you missed the next week's opportunity. So that's the same thing that in life. And I feel like football from that standpoint, it just, we're just built differently sometimes because of the competition and because of the mindset that you always got to have. And I feel like that's the aspect that when guys leave the game of football, they're in the real world. Sometimes it gets us in great situations and sometimes it gets us in trouble because Sometimes you're so used to someone grinding on you and everything that you may be in an atmosphere where things aren't that way. And then you're grinding and people are like, no, you're hard to communicate. You're grinding too hard. But that's the way you know, because that's how you got to do it when you play football. And in some places, they need that. It's a great sport. Like I said, I love all sports, but all sports can teach you some things about life. But there are hills and valleys that comes in the sport of football that you have to learn to either play with when you're hurt or you have to learn to get back up when you get knocked down. Well, I like that you bring that up, the getting back after you've gotten knocked down, because you're right. You don't have time to just stay down. And as an athlete, you really appreciate and understand that. Whereas sometimes I feel like people in life, they just stay, they stay down and they sulk about it and they play the victim. What was me? They make excuses and they don't just bounce back. Not everybody, but I found that a number of people that aren't happy with where they're at in life or aren't successful, it's because they tend to just stay down instead of saying, okay, that happened. I got knocked down. It's time to get back up. We don't have time to sit around and wait. Exactly. And that's the key because I always tell guys, I talk to a lot of guys today about integrity. I just like the one thing about integrity, it comes from within and it comes from you. I said, so if you was to sweep things under the rug and think nobody would see it, the only person that should matter that sees it is you because you saw it. So something on the inside of you shouldn't feel right and it should make you be like, nah, you know what? I, I need to fix that or I need to take care of this. I need to do that. I say it's the same way when you go to practice. You go to practice, if you know you have effort something at practice and on film, coaches can go over it or whatever, but it should bother you because you know you have effort it and you didn't put forth your fullness. And it's the same thing that you have to do when you're playing a sports and when you're going to school or going to college and different things, or even at your workforce, you know that every time that you have an opportunity to get better, take advantage of that day to get better. We can all find something to complain about. We can all find some reason, someone to blame and all this type of stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to look at yourself in the mirror and know what you're doing and why you're doing it. And is it enough? And are you doing enough? And I think that's the question. If you can answer those questions truthfully, then you learn more about yourself and hills and valleys than you do on the straightaway. Completely agree. Very well said. So let's talk about you playing football. Well, I guess I'll ask you this first. You're from Mississippi. How did you get into football? When was the first time you picked up a football? Well, we start off early in Mississippi. Of course, it's kind of like the big thing. I grew up in a very small town, Taylorsville, Mississippi. We didn't really have a red light. We had four-way stops. You play the games on Friday nights. Everybody always makes the joke that you can rob the city because everybody and their mama and daddy is at the game, which is true. So I touched the football very early. I didn't play peewee football, but I played yard football. And we played these games in the yard where it was tackle football, but it was all included. But I didn't start playing actually team aspect football until I was in seventh grade. That's when I actually started playing live sports. My daddy saw me throw the ball. When I was about fourth grade, fifth grade out in the yard playing catch with my buddies and he told me the story. He told my mom, he said, man, this kid has a gift. I haven't taught him how to throw a football or anything. He just has a gift for knowing how to pick the ball up and knows how to throw it with touch and then knows how to throw it. That's the only position I've ever played was quarterback. Like I played corner a little bit in seventh grade, but that was it. After that, after every coach saw me, they only let me play quarterback. And 
I feel like you're both 13 years old when you start playing tackle football. I think your confidence gets built up. I think your bone structure gets built up a little more. And I think you actually kind of know what you're doing. So when a coach kind of get on to you, you don't go in a tank. You know how to accept it and accept coaching and, and still move forward. You don't lose that confidence. And what was it about football that really drew you to it? What was that thing that made you fall in love with the game? For me, it was the competitive side of it. Having that opportunity to go out and compete and learn a little bit more about yourself and also just the camaraderie, just being in a locker room with a bunch of different guys coming from different life angles. And we all have one common goal, and that goal is to win games and everything. You just learn more about people and in a different setting than just being at home. You're in an environment where... You're competing against other teams, but you're competing together to bring out the best of one another. And I just feel like that's what I enjoy. I love sports and I love just being able to really just go for it. I think a lot of times in life, sometimes we get so hesitant on things, but when you play sports, you don't have time to be hesitant. You got three seconds as a quarterback to make a decision on where you're going to go with the ball and to make a check or not. So. It's just that competition thing that you always want to measure yourself up against to see like, okay, where am I at? And how much better can I get? And how can I get there? And I think sports does that for me. And that's why I end up falling in love with football because the physical nature of it as well. Whereas you're mad about something, you get a chance to take it out on the football field and between the lines and everything. So sometimes they kind of help out. Sure. So let's talk about you playing college football at Auburn. First off, why did you choose Auburn? Yeah, it came down between Auburn, LSU, Georgia was my top three schools. My brother played at Mississippi State, and he had played in the SEC. He's six years older than me, so I had a chance to go to all his career home games. And I just love the SEC, and I just love the competitiveness, and I just love the atmosphere leading up to the games. And when I got that opportunity to get recruited, when I was coming in high school, I visited the Auburn campus. I went to the Bowden Quarterback Academy at that time. They was having, so I had been on their campus. But then I told myself, oh, I feel like I was going to go to Auburn. I feel like I was going to end up going somewhere else. And then LSU was on me really strong. And I was like, okay, I probably end up going to LSU. But then Tubman Bill was at Ole Miss. He was recruiting me hard. I told him, I said, I can't come to Ole Miss. Brother played at State. He's going to get on to me. I like it. Plus, y'all just signed Eli Manning a year before me in the class. And he was highly ranked in his class. I was highly ranked in my class. I said, it doesn't make sense for me. He took the Auburn job. He said, now do we have a chance? I said, yeah, yeah, you have a full chance now. So I ended up going to Auburn, ended up going on campus and going to the games. And there was the Iron Bowl with one of my visits. And they ended up losing a very close game to Bama. And I just remember sitting, seeing the fans just sit there in tears and wasn't dogging the team, wasn't bad-mouthing anybody, but just in tears and very supportive of the football team and gave that family atmosphere. And I just said, wow, I really like this. So I ended up making a decision between those three schools, I chose to go to Auburn because of the family atmosphere and the tradition and just felt like home. It felt like the place I was supposed to be. Gotcha. And talk to us about your experience. You wanted to be a part of it when you got there. What was the big thing, the first thing you remember about playing for Auburn? I just remember playing in front of the big crowds. You got 86 to 90,000 people at home games. There's no NFL teams in the state of Alabama. So when I played there, just like growing up in Mississippi, there's no NFL teams in the state of Mississippi. Your colleges were like your predominantly TV watched games on Saturday. For me, it's the same way when I was at Auburn. When you first get there, the first thing people tell you, beat Bama, got to beat Alabama. Beat you in the head with that with a drum. Beat Bama. I was like, what about the other team games on the schedule? <laughs> they like, they matter too, but beat Bama. <laughs> so you learned that very early and often that Bama was the game that you had to win. And then the next game you had to win was beat Georgia in between the oldest robbery in the South. 
See, learn who your robberies are very early. The LSU game was always one that you just never know what's going to happen between Auburn and LSU. And it's true. That was the thing you learned very quickly as soon as you got on campus. And I think for me, the most important thing was when I first got on campus, they could nickname me the future. <laughs> and guys used to always say that, the future. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I understand they call me the future, call me the future quarterback, but I didn't like, but I'm here. Why are they calling me the future? You're only here for four years, and then that's the nickname they gave me. And then it kept changing, went from future to big smooth and whatever. I just enjoyed college. I enjoyed Auburn, but I learned very quickly and early who we had to beat and why we had to beat them. Yes. And you know, I'm a Bama alum. And so I get to hear it from all my SEC friends and the other schools. Everybody wants to be Bama first and foremost. <laughs> so talk to us about you. You had a great career at Auburn. What do you think when you look back, what were the things that you did that really helped to ensure your success? Adapting to change. I had a different offense coordinator every year when I was at Auburn. So I had to quickly adapt to change. And I didn't have time to sit back and make excuses. It was always like, okay, you got to press forward. And I feel like for me, learning how to take different nuances that from the new coach that was coming in, but also missing with some of the good things of some of the other coaches that I had learned from in the past, instead of just forgetting everything and starting over, I was able to miss those things and try to find the good from all of them and allow that to work within me to become the player that I wanted to be because it wasn't easy. I hear guys all the time, like, man, it's so hard to learn this and learn that. We got to go through so much change. But I always tell guys, best way to do it is just accept it first and then dive into it instead of putting your hand up and putting a stop sign before you even see what's there. You're doing yourself a disservice. So for me, it was just being willingness and open to accept the things that was going on around me and the things that I could not change, but just put my best foot forward and know that it'll work out for you in the long run. Sure. And I think that's important, whether you're playing in a football game on a football team or just trying to navigate through life, being willing to just be open to change, whether you're in the workplace, you get a new boss, a new team, or just things happen like we went through with this pandemic over the past year. I mean, being willing to just roll with the change and learn and grow and adapt instead of trying to fight it and not want to be open to it. So what I want to ask you now is you mentioned earlier in the show, you talked about how it's important to be able to bounce back and do it quickly. Can you talk to us about a situation where you got knocked down and you had to bounce back quickly, whether it be a situation in a game or just a situation in life? It was early for me coming out of high school, being a highly top, getting a recruit and getting to Auburn campus and and getting a chance to play at one of the prime universities. You know, my freshman year, I was able to start seven games out of 11, but I was benched the last four games of the season for a fifth-year senior. And it was a tough pill to swallow at first because this is our first time ever really saying, like, oh, I got to take a back seat. I got to sit on the sideline. And to have to sit on the sideline and watch somebody else play, and I had to really sit there and, and watch this guy participate instead of being bitter about it. I got a chance to study some of the things that he did that came for me to participate and play again. I could actually add it to my game and add it to me as my growth as a person as well. And and it taught me so much. But nowadays, kids, they want to run and just jump and just move on. The first time something don't go their way in college, they want to transfer forward or they just want to say, oh, I'm out. That's not the right approach. Sometimes things are there, roadblocks are to teach you and to grow you. But if you always feel like you're not supposed to have any, then you got a long ways to go as a person. 
And I feel like me having a chance to watch that and grow from that, it matured me and it helped me get to the next level of my career because it's never happened to me, but it taught me so, so much. So it happened to me early on. So when I got to the pros, anytime I faced any kind of adversity or anything, I could always go back to that situation and how it taught me and how I still was able to be successful because I went through it and not around it. And I like that you talked about how adversity teaches you lessons because that's where we learn the most. It's through those times when we've been knocked down, when we're going through tough times, that's when you become stronger, you learn more about yourself, and then you learn more about just how to navigate through life as well and be successful. Yeah, exactly. You have to. And that's why I tell guys, why you have to do that. I mean, like, But you have to be willing to look at yourself in the mirror and say that I'm not always right. So I got a long ways to go. I got a lot to learn. Like I'm not always right. Yes. And so let's talk about what was your most memorable game at Auburn? Oh, that's the easy one. First, it was kind of hard to think about. But that's the LSU game, 2004. And the reason I say that is coming off, it was Hurricane Ivan week. So school was kind of let out early. People was going home. The football team, they put us in the hotel right by the Auburn's campus. And we did walkthroughs and walkthroughs and walkthroughs. And LSU was coming up to defend the national championship. Coach Saban was there and they was rolling and they got Marcus Spears and a lot of different guys, Landry and everybody and these guys that could really, really play. And, and I just remember heading to that game. When you look back at it now, it was 25 to 30 guys that played on that field that day that played in the NFL. And I just remember being fourth and 12 and we had to have a drive to go and win the game. And I remember fourth and 12, I'm rolling out to my right. I get hit from the front, I get hit from the back. Saving calls a cover zero blitz. And Courtney Taylor, who's my receiver, I just remember him getting to the top of his break, not really seeing him come out of it. And I was able to throw a ball to give him time to come out of the find. And I just remember hearing the crowd go crazy, like it's loud. I was just assuming when I looked up that it's a first down. And sure enough, it was. And then we get caught in third and 12. And now we got a score. I remember the play call, it was double stick nine. And I remember the same guy, and then we can court and Taylor in the back of the end zone, and the place just erupted and just going crazy. Still to this day, it's the loudest I've heard it in Auburn. Of course, I wasn't there in 2013. They beat Alabama with the kick, so it's probably louder. But for mine, when I was there in the spheres, it was super loud. You know, winning that football game 10 to 9, and after that game, I was so banged up and hurt for like the next two weeks. It took time to recover from that one, but it just goes to show you the magnitude. Uh, what that game did. But yeah, this is one of my most memorable games. I have another one I played for the Redskins against the Saints in 2008. We're down maybe nine or something with four minutes on the go. And we backed up on our one yard line for about 20 some yards. And I hit Santana Moss on a 67 yard catch. And we ended up winning that game. We came from behind to win that one. So I've had a few games that was like that. And another one I played for Oakland in 2010. We're playing Kansas City Chiefs at home. And for us, it's the battle of who goes ahead in the division. And I remember hitting Jacoby Ford, who went to Clemson in overtime on the deep post route. He caught it, and the place just went crazy. And we was in the black hole, as they called it back then. So people that know football know what the black hole was like, you know, winning that game. I just remember walking out of the state, and everybody saying, Raiders. It's just those things that you just love to hear as an athlete. Sure. And one thing that we know is important both on and off the field is your ability to stay focused, to tune out noise, eliminate distractions, and to just stay locked in. So when you're in those high pressure situations and you're trying to make a key play, such as a third and 12 or a fourth and 12, how do you stay mentally locked in? Yeah, you have to, because I tell guys, I was just like, 
if 10 other people do their job and one person don't do their job, you cost all people their jobs. <laughs> what I mean by that, like you get L's in the columns, which costs coaches their jobs and players get fired or cut and different things. So you have to stay focused within the game and within your preparation because there's no chance for a slip up. Same for the offensive lineman. If, if he has a brain slack for one play and all of a sudden he missed a blitz pickup and all of a sudden your starting quarterback get knocked out for the season. So it's just things like that, that make you always want to stay in your P's and Q's because you don't know which play could be the play to turn the game or could be the play to give up the game. And so your IQ level, your focus always had to be locked in on what you was doing because when everyone's good players in the NFL and everyone's at a high level, it's the little things that get you beat or the little things that win games. Yeah, you definitely have to focus on those little things, little details. It's not just about all the big pieces and getting that right. So you were first round draft pick, as I mentioned, when I introduced you in the show, played 10 years in the league. When you look back at your career, what do you think was key to your continued success in the league? I think just believing in your ability and believing in yourself because one day you could be the greatest thing Everybody in the scene play the game. The next day you could be depending on the game, worst thing to ever lace them up. You have to quickly understand how to tune out the noise. And you have to believe in your ability and your confidence. Keeping yourself confident is huge because once you lose your confidence, you lose everything else. And so you always have to make sure that your confidence is staying at a high level. Even when things aren't going your way, you believe yourself to have a compass with a lot of guys that play long times in the NFL, NBA, and all those things. Is that their managers are not when things get hard. But instead, just work harder and keep moving. And I think that's what helped me get to 10 years in the league. Like I said, I had the opportunity to play longer. But at the standpoint, I was just kind of tired. My knee was bad. My shoulder was kind of banged up. And I just had enough. I was ready for the next phase of life and everything. And I feel like I've given the game. This was out there for me. And not trying to play too long. Did you get beat down? I didn't want to be walking out the door. I wanted to be walking out the door still in good enough shape to do a lot of things that I wanted to do other things in life. And I think just longevity is just based off of a lot of it is being able to surround yourself with the right type of people making sure that your circle is small. You don't have so many people pulling at you all the time that you don't really know. You'd be willing to get the note, but choosing your friends, your five closest friends always tell you who you are because you are your surrounding. And most of the time you usually have common goals and common things that you're all trying to reach or approach or support one another in. And it's not about how many people is around you It's the five closest people that are around you that helps you the most from a standpoint that is honest with you and truthful with you because I don't want a whole bunch of people around me that are a whole bunch of yes people just because they're afraid of getting cut off or something. I want people around me that's going to say, Jay, no, you're wrong for that. Or Jay, you can do that better. I want honest people around me because I know that's going to help me be better as a person. And that's the same thing I want to do for my friends. And so that's the biggest aspect for me. And that's why I was able to play a long time because of my family support, my friends support, and just understanding what's my why. Why did I play football? And we talked about earlier, what kept me wanting to play in the NFL? It can't just be the money. What drives you to keep wanting to play? For me, it was, like I said, building relationships and being competitive 
and getting to know other people and learn their background and, and different things of where we're all trying to grow and, and get to. But just being able to just have fun doing it as well. So let's talk about your retirement and what you're doing now. So you're out of the league. Talk to us about what's the first thing that you end up doing once you're done playing football. Well, the first thing I did was I tried to take a break. I tried to go on vacation, do things that I couldn't normally do when I was playing ball. I also tried to spend time with friends and family and kind of build some relationships, uh, give the people that you love some of your time that you weren't able to give them or you was always being pulled in other directions. Then I got involved in broadcast. Auburn called and wanted me to do the home radio games when I'm there. And so I decided to do that with my old roommate, Ronnie Brown. And so we're on there every Saturday at home. And so I started doing that and I started getting a little bit of the TV business. And, and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed talking about the game. I enjoyed talking about a lot of things I learned and, and trying to pass it on to other kids. I got involved doing football camps back at home where I'm from in, in Mississippi. A lot of the things that I do was kind of channeled towards other people, able to channel that energy and that time to because I was always occupied. And you also have a podcast with your co-host Taylor, Believe in Everything Auburn. Tell us about how that came to be. And obviously the focus is on Auburn football, but tell us a little bit about the podcast. Believe in Everything Auburn. I mean, we talk about all sports Auburn. We talk about things in the University of Auburn. Sometimes we go off subject. We talk about a lot of things that goes on within the SEC. Taylor is an absolutely phenomenal analyst, and she does a great job as my co-host. And where I come from an athletic view and what it's like to be in the field, on the, in the moment, and different things. So we're able to both collaborate and break things down and get it out to our listeners. We have guests on there sometimes. But a lot of it is trying to bridge the gap between People understanding the game and watching Auburn and knowing Auburn on Apple podcasts and everything. And we subscribe for free. And it's a great opportunity to, to hear all the things that I get a chance to bring back after talking to coaches, talking to players, former players. I just enjoy it. Like, it's just a great opportunity. Oh, well, that's wonderful. And we'll be sure to have the podcast link in the show notes so people can check it out as well. And please text me if you choose to talk about Bama. And I'll definitely listen into your conversation. <laughs> I don't have as much animosity against Bama as far as, <laughs> yes, we all want them to win more than we win. Yes. But I think the fan perspective, I think they take it a little <laughs> bit extra. Or I think wives don't cook for husbands. Somebody sleeping on the couch or somebody don't talk to each other for a long time. Like, you know, I don't take it that far. Like, for me, it's in between the lines. Like, I want to win as bad as you want to win. But when you lose or win, it's all out of respect and love. And I'm on to the next opponent. Or I understand, though, like you become a legend in the state of Alabama if you beat Bama. And I was fortunate enough to start three games of that and, and win all three. No offense, Jim. I know. You can definitely <laughs> become a household name in that game. Absolutely. So what I want to do now, Jason, is I want to take you through what I call my two-minute drill. You know what a two-minute drill is, obviously. And before I do that, though, I'm going to ask you one last question about you playing at Auburn. So when you were at Auburn, who was your favorite receiver to throw to? Oh, that's so tough. You're going to get me in trouble, Jan. Like, all the guys I played <laughs> I with, I Gordon Taylor, Devin Aromas <laughs> to do, Ben Old Monitor, Anthony Mitch, Jerry McIntyre, Silas Daniels. 
Cooper Wallace, all these guys are through the ball too. And now if you just want to say who's the connection, connection that I feel like I had a really good connection with, with a lot of those guys, but probably Courtney, just because Courtney Taylor played quarterback. He was recruited by Auburn. He got the Auburn. We recruited him as a receiver. So he could actually think like a quarterback at times when he's in the midst of a game. And I think that's why we was able to connect a lot more because our thinking was similar in certain situations. Gotcha. And the only reason I asked you that question is because Devin told me to ask you it or else I wouldn't have put you on the spot like that. So. Yeah, see, Devin, he's a banker guy. Though. So he's coming at these side angles and stuff. And I know Devin has something to do with this because he's always asking me that question. He's around me. I'm like, Devin, we're like a little bro to me. I threw you touchdowns. Like, we're good. He's like, yeah, but you're a coordinator. I said, that because we played quarterback. Both of us played quarterback. We thought a lot alike. So receivers and DBs, you have to pamper them sometimes. You got to build them up. You got to take care of them. You're like the little brother and little sister sometimes. You have to look out for them. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, he had me ask another question to Major Wright when I had Major on the show. And I was like, you're going to get me in trouble, Devin. <laughs> 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 so shout out to Devin. I always give shout outs to Devin when he has me ask these questions. So shout out to Devin. He's a great guy. Just love being connected with him. So now let's go through my two minute drill. Are you ready? I am ready. Okay. First question is, what did you want to be when you were 10 years old? Honestly, when I was 10 years old, I told my parents I was going to be a professional athlete. I just didn't know if it was going to be college. I didn't know if it was going to be basketball or football, but I told them I had a dream and a vision. I was going to play professional sports. Okay. How about who would play you in a movie about your life? Who played me in a movie about my life? I would probably say Will Smith. Okay. How about what is your favorite vacation spot? Man, I have so many, but I'm going to say Nassau, Bahamas. That's a great place. How about favorite ice cream flavor? Oh, favorite ice cream flavor is butter pecan. Okay. And what is a pet peeve of yours? Being late. How about what book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? Actually reading a men's book right now, a men's devotional that you read every day. That's what I'm reading now. I'm trying to better myself in life and life obstacles. Love it. And my last question is you're hosting a dinner party and you can invite three famous people living or deceased. Who would you choose and why? Denzel Washington, because he's a guy that's under the radar away from movies. You don't ever see him in the limelight, but he handles his business when he's on set. I'd probably say Barack Obama, just because being the first African-American president, but the things that he had to go through to reach the milestone, so, so very few to reach a pinnacle have an opportunity to influence the whole country. And my third one, probably... What's my guy that played on Fast and Furious? Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Yeah, I would probably say Vin Diesel. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Vin Diesel, when you look at him, he looks like a football player. But when you make movies, you see like one has the movie first and then the second one come out. And maybe they get a third. They're all the way to nine. And how do you keep that excitement going in the same cast and everything like that? is something I would like to know because as a football player, when you have long careers, but then you want to get into coaching and coaches have long careers, what's the drive to keep him motivated, to keep making the same movie over and to get the number nine? Gotcha. That'd be a great thing to know for sure. So as we look to close our show, any last thoughts for our listeners and tell people where they can follow you and keep up with what you're doing? You can follow me on Instagram, jcampbell17. You can also follow me on Twitter jcam underscore one seven and follow me on podcast believe in everything auburn podcast b-l-e-a-v 
we do a podcast, like I said, it's free subscription. Tune us in, check us out, subscribe. The more listeners we get, the bigger our opportunities to get out there. Like I said, always shoot me a question, DM me on IG, any football question. Most of the time I get back with my listeners and help out. So I'm easy to be access to, Taylor, when it comes to social media, because I don't even really do social media, but I started doing it just so I can have an opportunity to cooperate with my fans, cooperate with people that may want to ask questions about and tune in. Perfect. And we'll be sure to have all those things in the show notes so people can connect with you and definitely check out the Believe in Everything Auburn podcast. Jason, thank you so much for doing the show today. I know you had to run and do some other stuff, so I appreciate you making time to still come on and do this. No, I appreciate you having me on, Jen. Sorry I couldn't be in my office and on my microphone, you know, have to adjust on the fly and share. So I wish you all the best and all success. Well, thank you so much. And thank you to everyone for listening. And we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thank you for listening to Move the Ball. To see more about what I'm up to and how I can help you to move the ball, check out my website at www.getinsidethehuddle.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And also join the Move the Ball Facebook group for even more content and to be a part of the Move the Ball movement.